0: Welcome to Mill Resource Radio, where we highlight military and veteran support organizations. Hear directly from organization leaders and those who've benefited from their services. Thousands of organizations exist, but if you don't know about them, how do you seek their help? Join us for discovery, access, and knowledge about effective military and veteran organizations, sharing their missions and accomplishments directly with you. And now here are your hosts, Linda Crater and Les Davis. We are so glad that you've joined us this morning. We have a wonderful show today, and I am joined by co-host Jason McNamara today. We are going to be tackling a tough topic, but one that really does benefit from sunshine and putting it out into the open. So we are going to talk about military sexual trauma today, and we have two amazing social workers with us today, one from the Westover Air Reserve Base, Tamara Thompson, who will speak about, she's a SARC, a sexual assault response coordinator. And we will also be speaking with Sarah Eichstad, who's a social worker at the Western Massachusetts VA healthcare system. Since this is a two part, two agency, um, continuum, we will really have a a good, candid, real discussion on what is going on, what can be prevented, and how we can all be more aware. So I would like to welcome both Tamara and Sarah. Good morning. It's a pleasure to have you both with us. This is a difficult topic, but one that really does benefit by talking about it. And I'm thinking that a good way to start would be to discuss what is the definition of MST, and then where do we go as we undo the, the tangled weave? It's very hard to find statistics. And I looked up some and we'll have some of those discussions. But tomorrow, can you talk about it from the active duty standpoint and how MST has been defined by DOD?
1: Yes. Um thank first thank you for having me. I am honored and blessed. Um the as definition are we. of the definition of sexual assault is for the military is the intentional sexual contact um, by use of force or threats, intimidation, or an abuse of authority when the victim cannot or does not consent to it, um, or any act that attempts to commit these things, such as uh, touching over or under clothes, groping, fondling, to rape.
0: It's. It is a. Uh, It's certainly not a prevalent practice, but we are looking at a group of people in close proximity, and you've got men and women. One of the things that may surprise some of our listeners are that it's roughly 50-50 men and women who are affected by the rape, the assaults, and that is partially reflected because there are greater numbers of men in the military than women. Can you address that a little bit?
1: Yes. um, It is a common misunderstanding that this uh, sexual assault is a woman's issue. Mm -hmm. Um, And we are educating all of our members, active duty and reserve, that sexual assault goes across um, gender, race all walks of life. It's not just a woman's issue, it's a man's issue. Um, and we try to take care of all of our members, whether it happened in the military or outside of the military.
0: Very good point. And Sarah, can you explain, the if there are any differences, how the VA views military sexual assault? Because there's there's two different agencies here, and mm-hmm. there's I want to make sure that everyone knows that there's Processes on the DOD side and processes on the VA side.
2: Yes, that's right. Um, There are some differences. Um, The term military sexual trauma is actually a VA term. Um, It is a term that's used um, uh, VA-wide, and there are national policies and practices attached to this term. But the definition for the VA term is any sexual assault or harassment, and that's the main dif- difference. is the VA um, that the includes harassment as well um, that occurred during a veteran's military service or training can service training for service is considered military sexual trauma. And as uh, Tamara said, it can um, it's it's uh, it can happen to men and women regardless of gender, strength, size, age, race, sex- sexual orientation, or branch of service. Um, and it can include being pressured into sexual activities, either with threats or with promises of better treatment, being unable to consent, such as when asleep or intoxicated, being physically forced or overpowered, certainly unwanted sexual touching or grabbing, and including repeated and offensive remarks about one's body or sexual activities, and um, also including threatening or un- and unwanted unwelcome sexual advances, Um, and it can happen once, repeatedly. Um, um, It can be called hazing sometimes, but it's still MST if it falls within some of those uh,
0: catchment areas. I think that's really important. Thank you for sharing that. I found some statistics that there was a 2014 RAND study, and 20,000 service members Mm -hmm. were surveyed. Uh, 10,500 were men, 9,500 were women, Mm -hmm. and the interesting thing that I found was that of the men, 81% of men supposedly do not report their sexual assaults, whereas 75% of women go unreported. This high number of unreported means, this is an assumption on my part, so correct me if I'm wrong means that there are a great number of people who are um, survivors of sexual assault and have not declared it, which may mean that they're not receiving treatment. Is that what you're finding in the field? Um, I can speak. To... Okay. Go, Go ahead. ahead. Go ahead, Tamara.
1: Um, in the reserve command, we our numbers are very shaky. So um, because we are Reserve command, we find mm-hmm. that I in my who walks in my office, whether you decide to report that you were sexually assaulted or you'd like the resources um, to deal with being sexually assaulted or even have resources for a friend, um, we take care of the person. so it's it's difficult to say where and who um, receives the treatment because in the reserve command they have you know nine to five jobs and they're here one weekend a month. So it's difficult to say from the reserve
0: command. Good point, good point. Sarah, would you like to respond to that? Yes.
2: Um, what what we have at the VA, one of the things that
0: we understand
2: is, is based on some of those reports, and I think that went to the Pentagon, if, if I'm correct, mm-hmm. um, is, is that people have a hard time coming forward and reporting for a number of reasons. And so at the VA, what we decided to do many years ago, um, and again, this is nationwide, is we screen everybody. We ask the question, um, and we have universal language to assist with that screening. We we, we say, uh, um, you know, sexual violence, unfortunately, is common in the military. Have you ever experienced military sexual trauma? And then we define it, make sure that we include repeated prolonged harassment, Um, in that definition, and we ask everybody. um, It used to be a one-time reminder, meaning it was a lifetime reminder. We'd ask them once, and oftentimes people would say no, um, but later may come forward and say, actually, you know, now that I've been in care here for a while or in treatment for a while, I'd like to say that, yes, I have experienced that. We've changed it um, in the past year so that after each deployment it's asked again because we know that things can happen on deployment. Mm -hmm. Um, So that is one way um, that we make sure whoever is coming into the VA is screened for military sexual trauma. And we also like to let people know that certainly help is available and I'm sure we'll talk more about that and Mm and treatment options, but also because we want to encourage people to engage in care because we know recovery is possible and that we can help with symptom reduction. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the VA offers, in almost every case, um, there are some exclusions, free MST-related care. So regardless of traditional eligibility, um, you still may be eligible for MST-related care. And as of late, especially in the past year or two, we are having uh, people come forward saying, uh, I didn't have traditional length of service. Um, but I experienced this and it's affected me deeply. Is there care available? And we can say yes. And that's been a really wonderful thing. And not many people know about that in the community. And to answer your point, yes, there are a number of people that are not getting care. So we try to get people in the doors by letting people know that there's free MST related care available. Um, I think the only, The only thing that would get in the way of that in the VA is if you have a less than honorable discharge, Um, but other types of eligibility requirements are waived Um, and we let people know that help is available and we screen everybody, regardless of age. Um, you know, no matter when you're entering the service, whether you're entering the VA care, whether you're 70 years old coming to the VA for the first time or
0: you're 22 coming
2: to the VA for the first time, we ask everybody.
0: Perfect. We are going to go on a short break now and we will talk further about where you can receive care, some of the differences between men and women. And we are talking with Tamara Thompson and Sarah Eichstadt, social workers working in the area of military sexual assault. We'll be right back. We're Mill Resource Radio, and we'll be back after these short messages. Are you a family caregiver in the military community? Join us on veterancaregiver.com. In the military and veteran community, there are five and a half million caregivers of our nation's injured, ill, and wounded. Whether your family member served in World War II or in the most recent Iraq and Afghanistan conflict. There are unique needs in military and veteran caregivers. Navigating any medical system takes skill and help in obtaining good care. Veteran Caregiver has access to a rich network of advocates and organizations to assist you. Find excellent resources, short informative videos, an active Facebook community, and empathetic support. Veteran Caregiver supports those from every service branch and those who served in any conflict. Need information on sandwich caregiving? EFMP or aging issues, VeteranCaregiver.com provides information and community to those managing busy lives with compassionate care. That's VeteranCaregiver.com. Support for those who care. thompson and sarah eikstad about military sexual trauma and on the break uh tomorrow i'll direct this one to you partially the culture in the military is one that lends itself to some challenges sometimes so for example the culture is made up of a combination of obedience following orders and aggression being able to fight and to um, engage and when that's in balance that's okay When it goes out of balance, the military culture goes out of balance, then it appears as though that is when there are more difficulties along this nature, whether it's assault or it's violence, etc. But I think one thing to really point out is that Uh, military sexual assault or sexual assault in general, rape, is not generally related to sex. It is more a violence, power, and control issue. Can you speak to how the culture is one that can make this challenging?
1: Yes. Well, uh, the military services, all branches, are uh, predicated on the uh, brawn and the, mm-hmm. you know, the hardcore uh, machismo of the male. So uh, we are training all of our folks, um, especially in the Air Force, about what healthy is. Um, we have special trainings every year, and we've hired sexual assault response coordinators that are on every base that make sure people know from the time they step foot on any base that this inappropriate touching is not okay. Hazing is not okay. This is not part of the military. We have a a culture called the wingman concept Mm -hmm. um, that we take care of each other. This is a family and this is how a healthy family functions. If anybody approaches you with these types of things, you have permission to speak up. And and know that hazing activities are not okay when they're um, touching you inappropriately. Um, And a lot of it is about that because people think that you know what we call the Attaboy was you know when you Mm -hmm. tap somebody on the buttocks and say you know but you know that's taken too far. Um, They say hey would you do that to your mother? Would if if you wouldn't do that to this person that makes it not okay. And we want to create the atmosphere that everybody here is safe, men, women. Um, and we want to make sure that you go out and teach our community that we are safe. And we're going to make sure that, you know, we keep everybody else safe as well. Especially Absolutely. Especially in the and, reserve command.
0: Well, and it's also the teamwork function within the military. I mean, it is a cohesive group that has to work together very well. So when these sorts of things are inserted into the culture, it makes it very difficult to get the best out of each person. Jason, yeah. would you like to address what you found when you were in combat?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I, there's a lot to unpack here. So I, but I want to point back to the, the comment that was made earlier. And so I'm um, just curious about your experiences associated with uh, essentially fundamentally training and shifting mm-hmm. the thought process about it being a team effort. Um, I, I remember, um, I was a, a 100% male unit in the Marine Corps and, um, accidentally we were routed, um, a female Marine. And, mm-hmm. um, you wouldn't believe the turmoil that started just because of that one, one accident, right? And she turned out to be a, a great part of our unit, um, for the short time that she was actually here. Mm-hmm. But, um just the mentality i think was the part that that was really shocking what are you all finding as you're starting to train and sort of enlighten folks with this new mindset what what are some of the obstacles that you're that you're having to overcome there
1: i think some of the obstacles that we've seen or that i've seen on this space is you know the changing of the guard. Really, um, we have the old type of culture and the mentality um, to you know, where men don't seek help. Um, to hey, this is not okay. We want to make sure that you're healthy, so you're mission ready. Um, and if, if there's anything that's getting in the way of you being mission ready, we want to make care. We want to make sure that we take care of you. Um, you're important. You're important to our mission, and most importantly, you're important to your family. So if there's anything that's interrupting that we want to take care of you. So one of the main obstacles is to come forward you know um, let's make sure that everybody is a safe person to go to and that make sure everybody knows what the resources are out there. Um, we've been focusing on how to not victim blame um, and saying positive things. We train we train all of our um airmen, how to respond appropriately if somebody comes to them and says, Hey, this happened last night after a party or, Hey, you know that exercise that we did? I you know, I didn't feel comfortable with that. And letting them know that it's okay to put anybody in check. Um, this is where hierarchy doesn't count when it's when it comes to body safety and sure. you're you're feeling safe. Sure.
3: Can can I talk a little bit about the um, the coming forward part? Because I I just want to unpack that a little further. So the the, um, and the reason why is I I think there's a mentality in military where if you speak your minds that goes against sort of um, you know against the grain, that you're shown as weak. Um, To put this a little more clear, we had um, a couple of Marines. Um, who had broken legs or, br- or broken arms or they had twisted their ankle, and we saw them as weak if they were to actually report those specific injuries and yeah. so we forced them the collective we forced them to continue training and continue moving, um, mm-hmm. which of, of course only complicated and made their situation that much worse. Exactly. How do you change that mindset? How do you actually? communicate that coming forward is, is actually somewhat courageous, and um, it's actually a lot more difficult to come forward um, than to suppress these, these types of injuries and these types of things.
1: Right. Well, in terms of sexual assault, some things that we do know is that if you have somebody who's committing these crimes, it's not just you. Um, mm-hmm. There is, is There are five to six more chances that that same person will do this to someone else or continue to do it to you. So we stress, take care of yourself and take care of other people. And that's part of the wingman concept. And if you're not okay, um, this translates directly to you being part of a healthy community. This translates to you being part of um, a healthy family. And if you're preoccupied with um, things such as this, you're not taking care of your community or educating your community and family about it. So you know we, we're trying to make that shift between, oh, you're not, you're soft, or you know, you shouldn't complain about these things. To you know, this is part of your duty. Sure. True.
0: Sure. Um, Jason, I'd like to follow on what you had said. I believe that we could further discuss. There are variations, it appears, in the male response and the female response, both to reporting, to gaining treatment, and recovery. And I would like to talk a little bit about the differences, because I think that a lot of people don't even know that there is male-on-male assault. Um, I have been in groups that said, that doesn't happen. And I said, oh, yes, it, yes, it does. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I, I think that these are very important points to point out. And It is difficult to report. We know that from any time that there is a a civilian rape is the same way. It's very difficult. But in the military, as uh, Jason was saying, the culture is one of not letting weakness take over, especially in the Marine Corps. Sorry there, Jason. Um, Can you talk about the male and female response to actual assault? Are there differences? I'd
2: like to say something just. Before quickly before we move on, I mean, I I also want to just speak to the the culture and 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 the power and I and and I think what 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 I've heard from um, a lot of people that I've worked with is that you know a lot of people join the military for a lot of different reasons um, you know family history uh, get out of dodge type um, you know let let me get sure. another go at life let me recreate myself here. And so there's a tremendous amount of um, uh, pride and motivation to mm. kind of I'm going to make this work. I'm gonna I'm gonna really tackle my fears and make something of myself, and I'm gonna carry on the family name or whatever it may be. So there's mm-hmm. this tremendous uh, push to kind of make it work. So when trauma happens, like sexual assault, uh, the betrayal um, mm-hmm. that um, uh, member in arms could hurt. Um, it, it, it's so devastating that often that can contribute, along with the cultural elements, to not reporting. Um, you know, there there is just this such a drive to you know making you know making it, and then when this type of trauma happens, it it really is, is a, a blind side, and it's very difficult to recover from, um, and it can can create a number of symptoms. Um, and so I, I wanted to say that because certainly there are cultural influence. And as Tamara mentioned, there are often repeat offenders, right? Mm-hmm. So people using power to hurt others has very often incredibly uh, no, no issue with at all with sexual preference or sexual behavior. It's, it's about power and assault. Um, and, and so there's the cultural element. But then there's also kind of what the person brings in saying, you know, I'm going to make this work. And so when this happens, it, it can be very devastating. Um, well,
0: you're, you're bringing up an excellent point because you go into the service believing it to be one thing. And then when it does let you down in some way, shape or form, that betrayal becomes a little more hardcore in terms of treatment to unravel, um, to put back together. And that's. Maybe we'll do this after the break because we have about another minute and a half. Um, we can talk about the gender differences and the the treatment options for this. But I really appreciate that you put in the part about the betrayal because I think that that is an honest response to something that you would never anticipate that it would happen. Um, one thing that I noted in the Pentagon report was languaging, which sometimes I don't tend to pay attention to. But I thought it was important, and we'll just mention this and then come back to it over the break, that most um, people who have had survived an assault don't respond well to the word victim. And so when we come back, let's talk about the languaging and tie that in with the gender differences, the treatment options, and how we handle things. Does that sound possible? That sounds great. great. Terrific. We're here with Tamara Thompson, Sexual Assault Response Coordinator at Westover Air Reserve Base, and Sarah Eichstad, Social Worker at Western Massachusetts VA Healthcare System. And we will be right back after a short break. Thank you for listening. We're Mel Resource Radio, and we'll be back after these short messages. with Tamara Thompson and Sarah Eichstad. Right before the break, we were talking about languaging and that some people do not respond well when the word victim is used. So I don't know if you've noticed, but we're trying to use the word survivor here because that also ties in with what Sarah was talking about with the sense of betrayal. And Sarah, talk a little bit more about betrayal and how it is a multi-layered treatment unwrapping, basically, as you go through after someone has come forward? Sure.
2: You know, there's been some nice research done on betrayal trauma theory, which I've really enjoyed learning more about. And a lot of my clients talk specifically about betrayal, Um, whether they report and they've experienced victim blaming or whether they don't report and they must work alongside sometimes their perpetrator for many, many months, especially if they're on deployment. Um, But that sense of betrayal is very, um, almost like a second type of trauma. So not only that, okay, this happened, whether it was rape or prolonged repeated harassment, but also the fact that the the betrayal is so deep that um, the military is often looked at um, as like a closed system, like going to university or even a family. And so when betrayal happens within these close kind of self-governing systems, It is um, incredibly impactful and often needs its own special attention um, in addition to taking care of the assault um, or the nature of the MST. So I just wanted to share that that is a common theme that comes up quite a bit in in my work with men and women.
0: It makes sense. It it, it truly does make sense in terms of this. You mentioned the hazing and... uh, I'm not sure that our listeners would know what that is looking like. Who, who wants to take that one? Um, I, I'm
1: sorry, I didn't hear your question fully.
0: Oh, um, in, earlier in the program, we talked about the fact that, and it came out in the recent Pentagon report, that uh, news accounts are now relating things uh, called hazing, and that hazing okay. and bullying are becoming a a little more prevalent in terms of being talked yeah. about. I think it is important to talk about what that means so that we're not dancing around what it means.
1: Right. Well, I think in the uh, military, um, they, in order to connect and become a cohesive team or conti- a cohesive unit, um, they have uh, from the past adopted certain aspects, whether you know, in the Air Force, it might be telling somebody who's new, hey, go look for the keys to start up the plane when there, there are no keys to start up <laughs> a, an airplane. You know, it's just kind of like, you know, hey, you, you've done that and you've actually gone to look for keys for an airplane, you know, something that everybody can laugh about and you bond over it. Um, and oftentimes um, we've seen in the past where things have been taken too far, um, where actually people are being assaulted. Um, and what we've come across is You know, the things that have been done in the past are considered sexual assault. Now that we have all these new terms and definitions, they're always sexual assault. But the awareness was not out there to say, hey, if somebody touches you in your private area or somebody makes you feel uncomfortable, this is a sexual assault. And this is not part of who the military or the Air Force specifically. This is not who we are. And this is unsafe. And this has to stop. And you have a right to say something, and we will honor that and come forward and take care of you, and not only take care of you, but make sure that the perpetrator is not in the forces to do this to someone else.
0: Understood. Jason, you and I had talked about earlier about hazing incidents that had caused real havoc in your unit. Can you speak further to that, please?
3: Sure. Um, So I belong to a a Marine Corps unit that was actually featured on, um, on some news programs for our hazing Um, it was somewhat of a special unit and as we received new, um, new enlisted members that would would be selected, we usually interviewed selected, um, candidates to join our teams. Um, they went through a certain ritual, right? And I think to your point, it was about joining this special unit, if you will, quote unquote. And, um, you know, being part of the team meant that you were sort of plugged into this hazing pipeline, um, it was our unit ended up becoming um, disbanded because of those hazing efforts and renamed and, and moved forward. Um, eventually, reclaimed our name back and um, et cetera, et cetera. But as you can imagine, it, it created um, a lot of havoc um, and uh, um, just a completely radical shift in how we were thinking about building our teams and bringing together cohesiveness. Mm-hmm. What are you seeing in um, and I'll just sort of talk a little bit more about. The, the comment you made earlier about you know joining and being part of the commodity and um, how do you re-engineer and rebrand the commodity in an environment that has been really sort of at the bedrock focus on a certain level of hazing um, you know it's been it, it happens it sort of starts at boot camp um, and it doesn't really necessarily stop and it, it continues going forward you know I think there's there's a camp that says well some folks, Need it to a certain degree because there—that's how you actually break people down and build them up to be killers. Right. Um, and the other—the other camp says that you don't need it. You can get to the same objective in a different way. So, what, what's your experience in this area?
1: I think for each service, it's different, um, and I can only speak to the Air Force Reserve Command. Um, I think that if you really look at how to team build and how to become a unified unit. Um, What's the goal and the purpose of those? So if you're touching somebody inappropriately and you're humiliating them um, in that manner, what's the real purpose of that? And that's all part of education um, and, you know, part of culture shift to say, you know, when you do something like this and, you know, to use Sarah's um, wording and to have and betray somebody in that type of manner, you're not really building a team as it was once thought of. You're... You're internally and deeply hurting somebody, and nobody knows anybody's past, right? Mm-hmm. So, if this person was a previous victim, and you're doing this, you're, or somebody in their family, or you know, people are touched by sexual assault. Not not only it that it happens to them. So, when you're doing these things, um, really, what's your goal? Um, and there's other ways to um, become a unified team and not. Um, dishonoring somebody by touching them inappropriately or humiliating them in that manner. You know, so it's all about education. It is.
0: Um, Sarah, let's move over to you. Uh, The gender differences when someone does report or present. Um, I know that there are some, again, statistics on this are very difficult to nail down. But one of the ones that jumped out at me was that only 7% of offenders are eventually convicted. And that's very low. So the incentive to report, go through the the process uh, that ha- one has to go through, which maybe they've kept hidden or quiet or to themselves for a while, but know now that they want to become healthier and whole again. How do you address that in terms of the low rate of conviction? With please come forward. Um, is is the conviction rate rising as people are talking? Uh, is it being handled within the military so that it doesn't get to that point? Um, I'm just wondering whether by greater education, are we preventing some of these greater assaults? Then there's a big difference between touching than from rape. And so I'm just wondering where we get to the conviction rates on and, and the reporting aspects. Do the two work in conflict with one another?
2: Yeah, it's, you're bringing up a great point. There's not a lot of research on predators. There's some growing research on survivors and the needs of survivors, but not a lot of research on predators. There's only been very recent research on, on predators and even predators in the military. I think there's like one study that the Navy did just a few years ago, but other than that, it's incredibly limited. And I can't really speak to sort of the, uh, the issue of convictions. Um, mm-hmm. We know that uh, by the time I see people, I'm seeing them on the VA side. Mm-hmm. And um, most men, um, men and women, as you gave that statistic earlier in the show, just uh, many don't report, and there's a number of variables for that. Um, um, men uh, typically are coming to care decades after assault, um, the average male um, that I'm seeing, especially in Central Western Mass, is in his late 40s or 50s. Mm-hmm. Um, these are, are men who swore, and every man that has sit in my sit in my has come to my office and sat down and said, "I swear, it's a, probably 100 percent." Has said, "I told myself I would never speak of this, but here I am, and it's often decades later, and it's really when." you know, symptoms have become unbearable, um, or uh, they're further on in their life, and maybe they've addressed many of the kind of presenting problem, the issue that's been most upsetting, like drinking or drugging or legal issues or family issues, and now they're saying, I've got, this is the thing that's still unresolved. I've got to do something about this. I've, I've taken care of these issues, and yet I still feel Um, not well. This has got to be the thing that's contributing to to these symptoms. And a lot of men, um, some common reactions are feeling very angry or feeling when threatened or betrayed, having some difficulties with authorities, shame, feeling damaged or like a failure, um, lots of worry about masculinity or sexual orientation. What does this mean about me that this happened to me? Um, many, many men, not all men think it had to do something about sexual preference. When I talk to them about power, they're shocked. Um, they, oh, this didn't, they, they didn't see something in me that perhaps I gave them a sign. I said, no, Mm -mm. um, having sexual functioning difficulties like low sex drive, um, being on edge on guard, anxiety, panic, feeling numb, flat, Um, difficulty having love or happiness, Um, a lot of external expressions uh, in terms of like some, not everyone, of course, this is just some men have difficulty with legal issues, alcohol issues, drugs, reckless behavior, unsafe sex, um, conflicts with others, difficulty trusting, isolation, trouble with sleep. Um, A lot of men have chronic pain or digestive problems, Um, and eating problems, negative body image. And sometimes I'll see, um, not again, not always, but sometimes I will see this hyper-masculine response after assault, Mm -hmm. really looking to assert, like, this will never happen to me again, and these are the following steps I'm going to take to make sure it never happens again. So sometimes, again, not always, some men, very uh, assertive, aggressive, um, getting big, right um, Right.
0: threatening putting a wall up okay so we need to take a quick break we're going again on break and we will be right back we're mill resource radio and we'll be back after these short messages You a Dynamic Woman, Sandra Beck and Linda Crater host Dynamic Women Talk Radio, bringing lively weekly shows in a roundtable format with influential guests from around the globe. This amazing tribe of diverse and accomplished women share their candid views on topics such as reputation, handling rejection, loyalty, what is sexy, overthinking, blended families, and much more. Discussions are joyful with freedom to address topics from various perspectives with candor, respect, and no judgment. These are the conversations you wish you could have with all your family and friends. Dynamic women have lived their lives boldly with unexpected and sometimes undesired turns in the road of life. Yet detours and bumps bring opportunity, personal growth, more authenticity, and a fresh outlook. Join our welcoming tribe of dynamic women each Tuesday at 12 p.m. Eastern Time Also on iTunes and more information at dynamicwomentalkradio.com. Celebrating vibrant, charismatic women everywhere. break about the fact that sometimes people do not report until their 40s or 50s. It is something they've lived with, never going to speak about again. And in working with families, I know Jason and I have have experience in this, we find that sometimes people will come to seek care for PTSD. And it only comes out during treatment and therapy that the root of the problem or why the PTSD is so deep-seated and chronic, is the experience of the MST. They thought they'd move beyond it, but they did not. Can you talk about how that is drawn out as people are talking? And I'm sure that there are cues that you listen for, but sometimes it's hard. And some of our listeners may want to know what they can say so that the door opens to them. It's not easy to come forward after many, many years. Sarah, do you want to take that?
2: Sure, I'll take it. Um, thank you. Um, I, I think, you know, as I said earlier, we have that reminder that everybody, everybody is asked. But what I think is uh, really important, especially in the mental health clinics and and so many of our mental health providers are so wonderful, is is not being satisfied with that one time question, right? Um, mm-hmm. So we're always we're always got a rolling assessment going. And, and so, you know, even if someone has said no to the reminder in the past, you know, in the course of the relationship, you know, saying, T- tell me more, you know, we, we've been talking about what's been going on with your family lately. Tell me more about what was what it was like for you in the military. Um, tell me more about your job and your unit, and some of the things that went well, and some of the things that were hard. And I think it's really the 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 quality of the relationship and time, um, trust, developing rapport for uh, males and females, I think that can help. And also outreach material, having outreach material, normalizing it, having these, you know, I'm the MST coordinator at our um, um, small VA, but I'm. I, I, there are posters up. There are, um, I do workshops with Tamara um, at Westover, and uh, we work together on this. Um, I have my cards in every primary care office. So kind of saying, look, you know, we can talk about this. People experience trauma, you know, um, tell me a little bit about it. And PTSD is the most common diagnosis after someone's experienced military sexual trauma, even more so than combat trauma. Um, but there are other diagnoses that people can have as a result of MST in terms of depression and bipolar disorder and anxiety and eating disorders and certainly with our female clients sometimes not always but we see a lot of women that have a lot of physical complaints chronic pain migraines digestive problems and sometimes that can be a heads up you know to a primary care provider or a therapist you know tell me about tell me about what's going on with your pain you have so much going on physically you know and sometimes that can be a way that we can learn more women tend to hold on to trauma in their body and it can Come out in thematic expressions.
0: Interesting. Um, When I've worked with some female veterans, they each had eating disorders, anorexia in particular, Mm -hmm. which is a common uh, thread. uh, And it, it really is a very difficult. Those are two. PTSD is difficult to unpack, and anorexia is difficult to unpack, especially if there's a history. Um, prior to further assault. And so I I think maybe people don't recognize that some of those other symptoms that come forward are indeed flags. And I I take it that's That's part of your training to listen for those flags, correct?
2: Absolutely. And sometimes being in and out of treatment, you know, lots of starts and stops, some hesitancy, um, you know, we can discuss, what are the barriers? What's going on? How can we make this work? You deserve to be well. What, you know, what, 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 what can we do about that? Um, and certainly, you know, um, again, the, the eating disorders is huge, you know, very common with um, women and men, some men who've experienced military sexual trauma, substance abuse. Mm-hmm. You know, and what happens with substance abuse and dependence is it can become the sort of the red flag. So people are really paying attention to that. Homelessness is another mm-hmm. huge issue that we're seeing. You know, people that are experiencing homelessness that are in our shelters, you know, I'm asking, you know, tell me tell me about yourself. You know, we have to see beyond the presenting issue, the presenting stressor of addiction or homelessness um, or, you know, legal issues, which can, can be difficult, right? It's like, wow, mm-hmm. we've got this person who's experiencing all these stressors. But it's really important to go beyond that and say, tell me about yourself. Tell me about your military service. Tell me about your childhood. Um, We need to take care of the whole person. And that's usually when things are revealed is through relationship, rapport, engagement, and looking beyond that presenting problem.
0: You know, you mentioned the relationship and the rapport. I think that's the hardest thing for veterans to go in and trust a relationship with someone that they have not had a relationship with before and to share something so intimate and so deeply embedded at this point in in most cases. And the relationship and rapport, if you don't feel like you have a good fit, can you speak to how people can feel free to go seek someone else? Or if the uh, therapist doesn't feel like it's a good fit, encouraging therapy to continue as opposed to, discontinue because of barriers emotionally. I I think at the
2: VA, we've we've got a system that has been pretty effective in the sense that every VA has an MST coordinator, every Mm -hmm. VA. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times people will call me, even though they have a therapist that they've been working with for years, and they really like the therapist. It has nothing to do really with the therapist, but they're anxious about revealing or disclosing. They Don't want to feel like they've kept something from the therapist and have the therapist have feelings about it. Sometimes they don't want to, you know, upset the therapist, like have the therapist feel bad for them, Mm -hmm. and so, um, or they're not sure how to begin the discussion. So they'll call me as the MST coordinator and say, you know, what should I do here? You know, Mm -hmm. and we can talk through it. Um, If you feel you're working with a therapist and they're they're not getting it, there's there's not an alignment. um, You can request a different provider you can consult with the MST therapist and talk through it. Same with primary care. A lot of people have, some people don't want to talk about their MST with their primary care provider. Some people do. It's about finding what's right for you and advocating, um, you know, for a change. If that's your right to work with a provider that you feel is best for you. many people, men and women, prefer to work with female providers initially. Um, and and at the VA, you have the right to request the gender of your provider. Um, We we accommodate that. We know it's incredibly important starting off. Many males do not want to initially work with um, male providers. It it brings too many feelings initially. Now, further on in treatment, it can be incredibly healthy to work with a male provider and kind of face some of those biases. I I really try here at this area, and again, every VA operates a little bit differently, but just here in Central Western Mass, I really try to, again, have all that outreach material out and try to bring people in say, call me, call me, call me, and I'll work with your provider. We can work together on either making a change or how to best utilize the care that you're getting.
0: Excellent response. (laughs) One of the reasons we're having this program today is because people respond to different Um, messaging. So whether it's a brochure they see, whether it's something someone said to them, whether they hear this podcast, whether they are looking at a video, it doesn't matter what it is. We're simply trying to make it a more open, accessible discussion because it is something that occurs. And so it was interesting you used the word normalize. I hope We don't ever normalize rape, but I hope we do normalize seeking help, treatment. That's right. And reporting. So I know that's what you were meaning. Yes. Um, (laughs) I want to normalize
2: the discussion. It's okay to
0: talk about this. Absolutely. It's okay. One of the things I also want to pinpoint because I think it was so important. You're talking about the cohesion of the communication between you and tomorrow. So between the active duty component and the VA. And I think that is so very important when you've got a continuum of care and an understanding that you can help one another as they, as, as people present to you or don't present to you. And so would you say that what you have is unique or do you see this around the country as well?
1: I want to believe that it is um, it's it's a win win situation for um, both um, uh, for both uh, Sarah and I. For, for me, I love working. Um, I come from the VA from uh, before I worked with the Air Force Reserve Command, um, so I understand how they work. Um, but more importantly, you know, one of the sexual assault response coordinators' responsibility. You know, we, like I said earlier, we want to make sure everybody is focused and they can take care of their family as well as their job. Um, And we regularly follow up with the member to say, hey, how are you gelling with the therapist? Um, Are you having any problems? Um, And if there is an issue or uh, it could be something as age, oh, I can't talk to this therapist because they remind me too much of my mother. They're older. Is there (laughs) any way that I can have a younger? And I'll, I'll, I'll call Sarah and I'll like, Sarah, you know, is this something that's possible? So we're in close connection all the time. Um, and we regularly, I have meetings all the time with the airmen who do come forward um, just to check in and say, hey, I'm just checking in. Um, how is this going? How do you like your therapist? So I would, I would hope that everybody um, across all services um, have that type of relationship with the VA because, you know, we're all working for the same team. We want to make sure people are healthy.
0: Absolutely. I want to make sure we get the resources out. I'm going to name a couple, then you please name any I may have forgotten. You can find information on va.gov and vetcenter.va.gov. And you Mm -hmm. can also learn about VA's related MST services at mentalhealth.va.gov forward slash MST home. Have I missed that? And
1: ma'am, there's also the DOD Safe Helpline Okay. which is an incredible application. You can call in and um talk with somebody anonymously. You can get anyone in the world um can access that. It's and a, what and is that's it? 8 877 995 5247 is a call in. You can also text. You can also uh download the app on your iPhone or Android phone um and they have uh groups online. Um, And it's an incredible resource that uh, Department of Defense has um, invested in to get help anywhere in the world.
0: Fantastic. I want to thank you both and Jason for being on with us today and talking about what is really a difficult topic that really does come to light when you put it out there and you talk about how you can come forward safely. You can talk and coordinate care. You can Have a more normal life after you have had a a shocking experience, frankly. And men and women, there is help. And I'm so grateful that we could talk about this today. Thank you for listening to Mill Resource Radio. For more information, go to millresourceradio.com.